Secrets from a Coach. Thrive and maximise your potential in the evolving workplace. Your weekly podcast with Debbie Green of Wishfish and Laura Thompson-Staveley of Phenomenal Training. Debs. Law, you all right? Yeah, how are you doing this week? I'm back in form, Law, so thank you. It was really good listening to Carl last week, having a good old chat with you. It was brilliant. So yeah, good to be back. Oh, it's wonderful to have you uh, have, have you back. Um, do you know, I always love the first of our new focus on a series because it kind of brings a bit of sort of fresh energy. So um, can I tell you a funny story that made me oh, howl with laughter this week, Debs? I love a story. Go on. Which gives a bit of a backdrop as to why, you know, our focus on this next sort of four part. So my daughter's 10 and for about the last eight months, so it was at the back end of last school year, still carrying on now, they've been organising this baking team. So can we bake some cookies, sell it to raise some money for charity, et cetera, et cetera. What's transpired in that eight months, Debs, is basically they've just spent their whole time arguing who's chair, who's vice chair, who's president, who's the assistant to the president, and uh, who's kind of in charge of the projects. And I I sort of asked her the question the other night, so who's actually making the cookies? And they still haven't worked out. Still not done that bit. (laughs) <laughs> no, going to do the do. And I thought it's easy to sort of laugh that off as being something that, you know, a bunch of 10-year-olds would do. But actually, what we're starting to see is, is there's a real desire to just get stuff done. Hence, our focus on this month is about getting stuff done. Some practical, everyday tips. If you're working with people with whom really spend, you know, eight months talking about the job title that they want rather than actually what they're doing, then, uh, you know, in the meantime, it can kind of lead to a bit of a, you know, a backlog in sort of work and stuff. So hopefully we'll um, have a focus on some real easy to practice examples. You can immediately role model either to others or to your own life just to be able to really um, evolve in this kind of rapidly changing world of work we have in. So Debs, what are you picking up that then means that our topic for this particular episode, accountability and comms, um, I know we're going to bring a bit of a fresh perspective to this, but what are you picking up as to why this is a relevant topic at the moment anyway? I think it's the creating the clarity around what you actually want people to do. And there is a bit of a lack of that. So which sort of leads us into law, guess what we've received? What have we received? <laughs> well, we've received a couple of letters from our listeners. So I've been rummaging around to have a look at which one I'm going to share with you today that will absolutely help us with this topic. So bear with me. Rummage, rummage, rummage. <laughs> so Law, here's the letter. Are you listening? I Dear, am listening. You're listening. Okay. Dear Debs and Law, it's, it's quite on it, actually. I'm just sick and tired of listening to my boss only to find out that I've done the wrong thing that he's asked me to do. Why do I keep getting it wrong? Because I thought I understood what he meant. Lots of love, anonymous. Ooh. So asking for a friend, mm. <laughs> <laughs> what might be some um, tips and advice? Wow. Right. Okay. So that's a biggie. So um, what do you think is going on behind that particular problem, Debs? And then we can have a look at some top tips that can then help for anyone listening in who's thinking, yeah, that does sound vaguely familiar. So what do you think might be going on behind that? So I think it's got a lot to do with the fact that 
as the person obviously communicating to our friend about what they want them to do, they're maybe not being particularly accountable or responsible for that message. Because if you're the person communicating, you're actually accountable for how you are, your own behaviors, and also that of the person you're communicating to. So, you know, you can't blame somebody if they've got it wrong, the task wrong or whatever it is, because you actually haven't communicated it in in the right way. So those who are accountable, in my thoughts, are ultimately answerable to the activity or the decision. Um, And accountability can't be delegated. So if you're the one that's sending the message out, you are responsible to ensure that it has landed well and that somebody does understand what's going on. Because then the responsibility is then with that person to complete the task. But if they're not clear or haven't got enough clarity around what it is you're actually looking for, or you haven't been responsible for being communicating it in the right way, then you can't blame the other person for getting it wrong. So in my view, I'm responsible, or sorry, I'm accountable for my message to you. I'm also accountable for making sure that you deliver on it as well. So I close the loop on that communication, whether that's three months from now, next week or whatever. I'm not going to leave it to assumptions, which it seems to be what's happening here. I've sent a message out. I think the person's understood it. The clue's in the title there. I think they've understood it. Actually, you then need to really clarify and get clarity around, have they actually understood it? I just think it's such an interesting topic, Devs, right? Because I guess devil, well, not devil's advocate, but just kind of is not necessarily in contrast, but in the context around that is, is if we uh, want to have a fluid, flexible, empowered, you know, workplace, then um, what's then that line at which it crosses from your responsibility to ensure that I've understood your message and my responsibility to ensure that I've understood your message. So if I get an email from you and I think, I don't know what she's on about, (laughs) I'll just wait until I'm chased. Actually, is it my responsibility to say, hey, Debs, you sent that email yesterday. A few things I weren't clear on. Can you just run run, run it, run it past? You know, can I run some things past you? So at that point, there's this little... If, if I'm waiting for you to check everything all right with that email I sent, I might be waking a long time because you might be waiting for me to come back to you if I've got a bit of an issue with it. And of course, in the meantime, I'm getting 136 emails that have come through that are swamping your one that you sent yesterday. And then I guess you get these uncomfortable moments like our dear reader has kind of, listener has sort of said, which is uh, you're there in a meeting and someone says, well, I did email you. Did you not read it? Uh, and then there's that kind of tumbleweed moment. Um yeah. And where does that kind of sort of line? So is there any sort of advice or any thoughts that you have around, well, in terms of in that moment, you and I are communicating. We know all around our client base, most of the takeaway actions are we need to communicate more effectively. You know, it's a real, it's a real kind of bugbear sort of at the moment. So any sort of thoughts specifically around um, whose, whose responsibility is it? So to, to, to actually read and acknowledge a message. I know it sounds really simple, but actually, even if you're age 10 arguing about who's chair and who's vice chair, but in the meantime, no one's actually making the cookies. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Roll a couple of decades onto that and you can see how actually we end up being very busy, but achieving very little. Yeah, I think, yeah, so that asks the question then. So what is, what do we mean by real accountability, I suppose? So it's, it is that accepting the responsibility for the outcome of your choices. So taking ownership of that. So for me, um, it's, if, if I'm sending you an email 
And yet I haven't had a response back from you, whether you've asked me, what are you talking about or not, or you're waiting for me to chase you. And if I know you, and that comes down to the relationship, to know that actually Laura's normally quite quick to send a message back to me or, or something, that's enough to trigger me to think, oh, maybe I haven't been clear in the way that I've communicated to her in the first place. So I'm the one that has to be the accountable one that will then come back to you and go, I hope, you, I hope my message made sense. If you've got anything, let's have a call so we can clarify what it is I'm expecting of you, what I need from you, when I need it by, so we're both on the same page, heading in the same direction. For me, it's always that bit that if I'm the one sending the message, I am still accountable until that job gets done. I'm not going to leave it to chance. I'm not going to leave you to go, oh yeah, Laura's got it. She knows me well enough as to what I meant in my garbled message. It's about making sure that I am consistent in my accountability rather than giving you some... Um, I suppose, some wriggle room that goes, oh, sorry, I didn't really know you needed that that straight away because actually you didn't make it clear, Deb. You know, and go, ah, so it's about having accountable communication um, to make really strong commitments so that there's clear clarity around it so that it might take me a bit longer to communicate that to you. But actually, we both know that we understand where we're both going and what's expected of both of us. And therefore, it just means it helps build trust. Um, it makes sure that, you know, ask the question, what are you asking me to do? It avoids any of that potential conflict or un- un- uneasiness because I didn't realise and now I'm going to work till midnight to do it. All of that stuff that comes with just not being clear. Because I think, is it something, if you want to get a message across... Is it you have to deliver it seven times in seven different ways in order for it to really land with an individual? I read that somewhere years and years ago, but I thought, oh, okay. But if I don't know how you like to be communicated to, then I might just chuck it out the window and see where the wind takes it. But Debs, I think you've raised a really interesting point there, right? About how, so we know the, the common thing at the moment is around being really busy. So that is a common, common thing. So I can understand how there is a driver to get stuff off our to-do lists. But I wonder whether we've missed a trick. So if updating Debs, if I tick that task off in my mind because I've sent you the email, that's actually only 50% of the task, isn't it? There's actually two parts of that task. Not only me sending it out, but getting a transaction back. So actually, I can only tick off that once I know I have actually communicated, because the clue's in the title, you know, communication <laughs> isn't just telling yourself, it's about yeah. landing a message. So I wonder if there is a new discipline around time management, which is just because you've emailed out doesn't mean you've communicated. You haven't communicated until you get some kind of feedback. That's when you can tick it off your list. That's not doubling the workload. That is minimising the future workload that will happen as a result of that message not getting landed, because emailing out is only half of that task achieved. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, actually. So it doesn't, as you said, it doesn't mean it's more work. Um, it's just making sure that there is, I suppose, a commitment to say, this is what I want. So we're coming back again with clarity. I always say this around, if you're not sure or you think you think you know what they've asked you to do, it means you don't know. So therefore, you know, we've got to really question ourselves to say, I don't, I, oh God, if I have to go back and ask them again, Um, I'm going to be the one that looks stupid. Um, It's not about that, but it is about committing and knowing what you are expected of. And I know we sometimes say about putting some ground rules in place um, that, you know, enable us, how are we going to work together around here? Because then it's really clear 
And there is no miscommunication or assumptions being made because we've explored some of the things that people write up on a working together, right? So that everybody knows where they stand and therefore it, it's a better way of working, I suppose, because there's no ambiguity that comes into it. There's no wriggle room. It's very clear. I know what's expected. I can do it. Um, and it's not about being nice or, or anything like that. It's just going, right, I can do that. I always think it's handy looking at what do people in other industries do that we can sort of transfer onto this. And I do think for people that have been raised in a sales type of industry, I think it does bring a slightly different perspective around communication. So if as a salesperson, you need to achieve, um, you know, sales targets, you might blast out, for example, uh, you know, a, an email or leave a message for someone. Um, it only becomes a lead that you can do something with when you get some kind of feedback. So I do think that there is a discipline that is instilled in you if you have had a kind of sales type of role in that just because you've sent a load of emails out doesn't necessarily mean it's going to convert to business. You've got to do something to kind of generate that into some kind of business. So I remember something that um, always used to work really well, just as a clarifying exercise, really, when uh, back in the day when I was doing sort of sales training exercises, sessions. And I think that this is quite a useful discipline, actually, in terms of um, thinking about our own communication. So if you imagine a business opportunity funnel has got like this kind of upside down triangle, um, like a cone, it's like a funnel shape. It's got six layers in it. So the first step of converting that bit of communication into something tangible is identify. Who am I going to contact? You then make contact. You then qualify. So can we work together? You then develop that. So there might be some follow-up information. You then close on some kind of promise for business and then complete. The business is in, you've been paid, you've got it done. So there's this idea that what you don't want, Debs, is a leaky funnel. <laughs> yeah, no Just one because wants that, you, no one wants a leaky funnel. So um, just because you put a load of energy in at the top, if you never follow up, if you never track where those kind of bits of communication are going, then that day you spent on a Monday sending a load of really well-written emails, if you never follow them up, then um, you know all that work can kind of be wasted. So I think there is an inbuilt discipline, certainly I've seen in the most top-performing account developers, anyone in a business development kind of role, which is I might put out a blast of information, but it's the follow-up that is actually going to determine how successful I am. So for anyone listening who's never had a kind of business development role, that might be a handy place to start just to re-look at actually every bit of communication I put out, where does it go? How do I ensure that, as you said, there's a loop to it and we keep it in so we don't have a leaky funnel, a load of work at the top end that never actually transpires to ever being read or ever kind of stuff being doing. So um, yeah, that business opportunity funnel, for some of us, that might be real familiar territory, depending on the type of professional experience you've had. For other people, it can be quite useful just to re-look at if communication is a big currency of you being able to achieve success in your role, then it's looking at it in a slightly different way. It only adds value if it gets read and engaged and acted upon by someone else. Yeah, that, oh, that's, that's a really good way of looking at it, isn't it? Because also, I suppose that just drives the question as to whether I care enough to want that to happen. You know, as you said, rather than, you know, just chuck it down the, the, the line and go, oh, that's all right, Laura, do that for me. And I've sent her an email, happy days, I'll just, you know, waff, waffle off into the sunshine. But actually, if I really want it to be successful, 
then I'm surely got to be accountable for coming back and going, checking in and saying, how's that going? How can I support you? What might you need from me? Is there anything else I can do to, to get that help you with getting that job done or whatever it might be? But you've got to want to do that. And I suppose that comes back to how are you therefore managing, as you said, managing your time, you're working, I suppose, at a level that you should be working on, not at the level below because you're so in the detail and micromanaging stuff. Whereas actually you're therefore telling that person, you know, I don't really trust you to do this job. So I'm just going to be peering over your shoulder every five minutes and overcompensating for that. Whereas it comes all the way back to, if I've been really clear in the way that I've communicated and I've checked in with you that you understand it, not in a patronizing way, but in a conversational type way, then it gives you, I suppose, the opportunity to support the learning of that individual. So therefore, you know, the real purpose of accountability is to be able to enable somebody to grow and learn in some respect, but I'm not going to abdicate the responsibility to you alone. So I think a lot of it must come down to who you are as an individual and what you want and what's important to you as well that's going to make um, a big difference then to how you communicate out in the first place, not just leave it to chance. The um, So, you know, aware that we've got our, our dear listener, so uh, we're going to kind of uh, uh, summarise a little bit, sort of key bit of advice, I guess. Um, just the other thing to sort of chuck out there is in terms of accountability and communication, who's responsible for it? I, I do also think not only is there that accountability of has anyone read this? Have they understood it? There is also a responsibility to write or, or communicate in an easy to understand way. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> if, you're, if you work with someone who is prone to having seven window scroll long emails, you know, God. people are going to see your name in an inbox or see their name and think, oh my God, right, I know that's going to be a big hefty email. I'll park that and deal with it when I've got a bit of time later on this mythical bit of time later on that might never happen. And then it becomes, you know, too big to handle within the working day. It then leads to kind of working, you know, working kind of over hours, etc. So what I think has been quite interesting, Debs, is some of these really practical business letter writing skills, right? yes. which I remember doing, you know, back in 1991 or whatever, when you had yeah. to practice writing business letter writing skills. But we're hearing from some people that are, you know, either senior positions or been in industry for a while say what really actually is causing some challenge at the moment is emails or proposals or communication not actually being written in a very easy to understand way. There's either kind of loads of information or there's no kind of easy takeaway points. But even just a final call to action at the end or a question at the end of an email that then just makes it easy for the other person to then respond. So not only is there this kind of requirement to make sure that you've understood it and which is kind of your ability to understand it, but also my ability to communicate in the first place rather than just overloading people with a load of really difficult to read communication. So, you know, sometimes just being a bit more purposeful about intro, (laughs) set up for why I'm sending you this, what are the key things, you know, a couple of bullet points, key takeaway, next step, over to you, you know, and just making it easy for people to respond. Yeah. And then I suppose building in a bit of a follow-up on that action rather than just leaving it to chance that it's going to happen. But I think you're right that having that structure to the way you communicate um, is going to be really helpful. Um, Because if you read it and you go, I think I know what I mean, but it it doesn't mean that the other person can because we're going to interpret it in very different ways because of the way we are. 
So therefore, I need to be even more clearer and create even more clarity because we just communicate differently. Um, And that's the bit around, I'm responsible for the success of this, whatever this might be. So I'm going to either question it and go, can you create, can you let me know, can you help me understand exactly what you mean? So not be afraid to ask a question if somebody's given you a task to do because you're not sure. But actually that moment where you can actually be clearer in the first place in the first, you know, about your communication out, what's expected. So, you know, there is that expectation. Keeping it simple, I think, is key. And I think going back to our our listeners' letter, um, you know, I've been li- I'm sick and tired of listening to my boss only to find that I've done it wrong again. It's like, mm, well, which bits are you listening to? So are you sure you've heard what the message is? Or because you got so used to it, you're just assuming you know what's expected of you. So my advice, my call to action would be, if you're not 100% sure, you're not 100% sure. There is no grey area here. Um, you know, It's either you make a commitment to do it or you don't. You understand it or you don't. You There's no middle ground here. So if at any point it's then saying, oh, actually, I'm not sure if I, I've completely got what you want from me. Because I've done this time and time again, as this person says, every time I do a task, I still get it wrong. So my encouragement would be to ask. If you're not sure, be really clear on what is expected of you, then you'll be able to deliver. Um, because it that's you being accountable for being able to deliver. And to sum it up, there's no such thing as a silly question, only a silly answer. Love it. So uh, listener, hope that kind of helps. And um in a slight sort of shift from my usual kind of share the secret, I'm going to um, just kind of share the thing that actually has continued to surprise me over the years, Debs, about how handy people have found this little really clear communication principle. Tell, tell, tell. Tell them what you're going to tell them. Tell them, tell them what you just told them. So introduce it, a little bit of detail in the middle, wrap it up and, and summarise it at the end. And just think how much easier your working life would be if you were able to be really clear on, so what's the big picture? What's the detail? What's the key takeaway? Tell, tell, tell. Tell them what you're going to tell them. Bit of an overview. Tell them the actual content. Tell them what you've just told them. Wrap it up. Three parts. You know it makes sense, Debs, but that would be my kind of share the secret in that it's remarkable how sometimes, as you said, keeping things simple... It's just really beautiful to then work alongside people that are able to communicate in a in a sort of simple, easy way because I'm um, just banging out a load of information. Actually, I might have ticked it off my list of, well, I sent you the email, but I haven't actually communicated. It only becomes communication when message understood and received. How do I know that? I've got to get some kind of feedback or acknowledgement back from you. So um, in that kind of share the secret fashion, tell, tell, tell. It's a goodie, but it's an oldie. If you're working with someone who is struggling a little bit with an overwhelm of communication, get them to listen to this. Sometimes just simplifying things can make uh, the complicated world of work now just feel a lot more easy, motivating and inspiring because really, devs, everyone's got the same motivation. How can we get stuff done in the easiest way that minimises conflict and maximises success? So this has been such an enjoyable conversation, Debs. It has. I've loved it, Law. I'll drop you an email. Okay. <laughs> what do you want the full transcript. <laughs> full transcript. <laughs> 10,000 words. If you could have your uh, overview back by tomorrow, that'd be great. All right, um, lovely. And, uh, yeah. and looking forward to our second yep. delve into our 
listeners' letters bag, which Ooh, will be yes. uh, um, next week's episode, where we're going to be talking about the wonderful world of managing upwards. Yes. So I uh, hope you've enjoyed this first focus in our Getting Stuff Done series in today's ever busy world, just being able to cut through that seaweed and get what you need to be getting done, then uh, hopefully found this, um, you know, a useful, some useful food for thought. So Debs, have a productive, enjoyable week. You too, Law. I'm looking forward to um, receiving your communication. <laughs> I'll just bang it out now. Tick, right. done. Love yep. it, done. Briefed. Send it off. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, Law. <laughs> oh, have a fab week. Love and you lot. you. Love you. Bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at secretsfromacoach at aol.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you're a Spotify listener, give us a rating as it makes it easier for us to share the secret with others.